Keeping up on Seattle-area politics is tough. Who has time to sit through a three-hour council meeting and sort out which decisions will affect you most? Please vote aye. 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 Well, what if getting caught up on current events was as simple as getting a cup of coffee with some City Hall insiders who know which stories are hot and which are not? Welcome to Seattle News, Views, and Brews. And thank you for being with us on Seattle News, Views, and Brews during a very challenging time in Seattle and worldwide as we deal with the impacts of the coronavirus. I'm Brian Callanan, a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are my own. I am with Seattle City Council Insights, Kevin Schofield. Kevin, good to be with you. Brian, thanks for being here. All right. Safe distancing. We'll try to keep this yeah, together here. We've got, our, we've got our appropriate social distancing going on here. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Special thanks to, of course, City Grind Espresso. It's the coffee stand on the first floor of City Hall, one of many small businesses challenged by what's now a worldwide pandemic with COVID-19. They provide the background, the background noise for us. We are hoping you can provide them and other businesses with some business as we get through some rough months ahead. However, the work of our local government, our coverage of it continues. So let's get going with right here, right now. Okay, so in this part of the program, we're working with what's happening right now in Seattle area politics, and I'm talking about worldwide politics. It's all about the coronavirus right now here in the third week of March, a national emergency now. And if you are listening, please do remain calm, wash your hands, and be safe out there. Uh, Kevin, I was talking with you earlier. I'm just feeling a little bit uh, untethered right now in what is a rather fluid situation. Yeah, I think we all are right now. And, you know, I'm I'm not sleeping well. I know a lot of other folks aren't sleeping right now. It's it's a really stressful time. I was... I'm thinking it kind of feels a little bit like jet lag. Yeah, a like right? a never-ending like jet lag. We're, we're, we're a little just kind of outside our bodies at the moment yeah, here, yeah. and uh, it's going to be that way for a while. So, yeah, yeah. so we better we have to find our peace with this. Yeah, well, let's try to break down some of the details here. Schools are, of course, closed. Businesses are shutting down. Disneyland ain't open. Disneyland. Yeah, uh, happiest place on earth. It's only happened after JFK was assassinated in 9-11. So we're talking about something pretty major here. All major sports put on hiatus around the world as we try to deal with the outbreak of coronavirus. But let's talk about the city of Seattle response. So last week, Mayor Durkin announced the city's latest move to to combat the spread of COVID-19. She is shutting down the Seattle Library locations, Seattle Parks and Rec will cancel all of its programming there. Uh, your thoughts? There are some things that are remaining open, but Seattle is really trying to respond to this as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's right. At this point, we are past the notion of containing this, yeah. and we're really on to mitigation. Yeah. Right. And the goal here is knowing that there are going to be cases, and it's probably going to continue to climb for a little while, to keep the number of cases that that particularly that require healthcare response yes. within the ability of our healthcare system to yes. respond to them. Yep. Because as we're seeing places like Italy right now, getting overwhelmed. When, when they yep. overwhelm the healthcare system, really bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why everybody is referring to this thing called flattening the curve. Yeah. Yeah. If we're successful with this, we will end up with a longer outbreak of COVID-19 than we might have otherwise, but the peak will be much smaller and hopefully be contained to within what we can manage within our healthcare system. Yeah. Now, you know, it's a struggle for the city yeah. and for all of us as residents because right. there are a lot of people in our city that really rely on some of these services to to uh, to get on with their lives. Yeah, preschool being one of them. I wanted to point that out. Uh, they're going to be continued. They're going to continue to operate those in the city of Seattle. Parks and Rec also saying that it's trying to find some alternate programs for childcare. 
super important, of course, with the closure of Seattle Public Schools. The hygiene services programs, those are out there. Shower programs at Delridge, Green Lake, Meadowbrook uh, out there as well. I wanted to point that out. Uh, there are some things you can do online, like the Seattle uh, Digital uh, Seattle Public Library's digital services. Right. But uh, there's just so many things. It's a, and it's still a fluid situation too. Right. And you know the. Think, uh, facilities like the libraries yep. turn out to really, in practice, be important day shelters for a lot of our homeless population. True, right? True. And those are going to be closed now, so that's yeah. going to put extra stress stress on our homeless shelters yeah. and and other places where people can can uh, get out of the cold and the rain during the day. Yeah, I know the library, especially just one of those parts. I, I think you make a very good point there. It's going to extend its loan periods. Materials don't need to be returned, but certainly yeah. that's not top of mind for most people right, right. now. So we're putting a lot of measures in place in the city yeah. and county and state right mm-hmm. now and uh, one of the things I just want to sort of stress it's really important how we think about this yeah. is that all these measures that are going into place right now it's going to be two weeks before we know whether they're effective or not mm, right? right because the incubation period for coronavirus is about six days yeah. anywhere mm-hmm. from two to 14 but let's say about six for most people right? which means all the people who have gotten infected in the last week are going to be the ones who are starting to show symptoms this coming week yeah. right yeah. so you know, what we see in this in this next week is still the numbers going to be going up because yeah. all the measures going to affect right now will have no effect on that. Right. right. The test is going to be the week after that. Yeah. And we see whether these measures have stopped the people who are now uh, just about to get sick, mm-hmm. whether it stopped them from passing it on to other people. Yeah. So yeah. be patient. Yeah. Be diligent. Keep washing your hands. Um, really do your best to live within the rules that have been put down because they really do make sense for the larger public health need. Yeah. And let's, you know, hope for the best yeah. and we'll see what happens two weeks from now. And I wanted to break down that flattening the curve a bit a little bit more, Kevin, just to help people understand that. Looking at some of the numbers, at least on the national level, it's estimated we've got nationwide here 45,000 intensive care unit beds in the U.S. In a moderate moderate outbreak, about 200,000 Americans would need one. So this, we don't want a repeat of that Italy issue. And you did a very interesting study, I thought, of what's going on in King County with regard to its hospital bed count, what that means, and how we need to be careful about it. Yeah, so King County has about 5,200 hospital beds. Some subset of them are ICUs, and that's a little bit fluid because the hospitals do have some ability to convert other hospital units to ICU to kind of makeshift ICU units. So they can flex that a little bit. Um, So now the question is, you know, how many, what percentage of the people who get coronavirus are going to need to be hospitalized, right? And... You know, really, honestly, we don't know what what that number looks like at this point. There ranges anywhere from, you know, 5% to 15%. Sure, right. So, you know, I did a little estimate about, you know, what if it looks like about 5%. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if these measures do, you know, hold up and manage to significantly reduce Mm -hmm. it, you know, we're still going to see probably in late May, early June, we're going to see some pretty big strains in our hospital system. Yeah, yeah. Um, if hospital rate goes hospitalization rate goes higher than that, yeah. you know, we may see it a little sooner. Right. Um, so you know, it, again, it really stresses the importance of not panicking. Yeah. Right. But 
taking all these measures super, super seriously yeah. because none of us really know if we're the one who's going to need the hospital bed. That's true. And important to point out, too, uh, schools certainly working with our local governments on this one. The governor has closed down school through the 24th of April, so after spring break there. I do know that there is student meal support happening, at least Seattle Public Schools talking about this, distributing lunches from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day at 26 school sites throughout the city. That's very important. Central locations for family and student resource distribution, too. These are very important parts for people who are on free or reduced lunch needs there. Those are some of the only meals that some uh, families, students have every day. And then also we're talking about closure of certainly the classroom, but also athletics, club sports, etc. The child care piece, I think, is where we're really going to see a big uh, a big push, a big need, and I'm not completely sure if the city has a great handle on how that's going to work right now. At this point, they're still working through the plans yeah. on that, and it is an emergent situation. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have been told to telecommute, and yep. some people that doesn't work for all their jobs. That's right. Yeah. So uh, there, we, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that we still need to show up at work. Yeah. You know, we can't buy groceries if, if none of the grocery store workers show up, yeah. right? Yeah. We need the you know, first responders to be there. We need the health, particularly the healthcare professionals yeah. to all show up at work, That's including, right. you know, the people who sit at the front desk and do all the admissions paperwork. That's right. We, we need all those folks there, right? Yeah. So it's really important that we do everything we can to help our neighbors out. My, you know, my next door neighbors are doctors yeah. and I've offered to watch their kids if they need to, because I know in the coming weeks, our healthcare system is going to ask a lot of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, so be busy. we should all be thinking about what we can do to help our neighbors like that. Absolutely true. Let's switch gears real quick to now hear this. Okay, so in this part of the podcast, we review some of the activity over the last week, listen into what city leaders, other leaders are saying about it. Uh, we're talking still about the coronavirus, of course, and I wanted to switch gears, if we could, Kevin, to the idea of cities helping out businesses in our area. So, City of Seattle spending about $1.5 million on grants of up to ten grand to small businesses affected by the coronavirus outbreak, along with some other responses, too. Here's Deputy Mayor Mike Fong talking to the City Council over the phone during the March 9th meeting. Of course, the council is conducting its meetings remotely during the COVID outbreak. So here's what's happening with regard to tax payments for businesses in this time of crisis. The mayor uh, has uh, directed us to also work on some uh, package that would specifically defer uh, the payments of B&O taxes and other potential fees, uh, as well as uh, uh, utility bills uh, for distressed uh, uh, small businesses uh, under the conditions uh, resulting from uh, COVID-19. All right, so my understanding, Kevin, the city is deferring the B&O tax, that business and occupation tax payment for businesses with revenue of less than $5 million, deferring these utility payments for businesses, trying to bolster up some of the small business stabilization uh, funds that are out there, among other efforts. What's happening with this big picture? So... The city is working under constraint, and the constraint is the Washington State Constitution, which yes. says that governments, state, county, local, can't just give money to people other than the poor, mm -hmm. right? So what we're seeing them do is try to get as creative as they can to defer payments to later in the year for utilities, B&O payments, anything they've got some discretion on. Right. And there'll be some, you know, fiscal pain for the city in yep. doing that too, and for City Light and Seattle Public Utilities in doing that too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've got a buffer of money. They'll 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 manage the cash flow okay on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big thing that they're trying to do and in particular look at things they can do to help small businesses 
uh, grant programs, other things like that. Yeah. I know also there's a push to try to help out the gig economy workers. They're going to get hit hard here. I know Councilmember Sawant was talking about this idea of maybe moratoriums on commercial evictions. She's talking about evictions again. Uh, Councilmember Herbold talking about moving on, establishing some sort of commercial rent control, which actually is allowed. Uh, it's not illegal under state law. Only residential rent control is. So I know the council is trying to do something here, but uh, so many moving pieces right now with these small businesses. Yeah, there are. And, there, and there's, a, there's a little bit of a hazard of, uh, of politicizing this yeah, stuff, true. Too, right? So, yeah. you know, some of the issues we've seen sort of pulled in in the last week are issues that we were talking about before. That's right. right? So uh, I, I just saw recently an op-ed piece in local media suggesting that we should be taxing big businesses locally yeah. up to right. $500 million a year to yep. pay for the, the coronavirus response. Oh, boy. And then once we're done with that, just roll that over into homelessness. Sure, right. right. And, <laughs> you know, you can council members who want suggest banning evictions, which is, you know, yeah. that's a... That's uh, something she's been pushing, obviously, for a lot for a while. Uh, right. Extending the tiny home village permit for yes. the North Lake tiny home village. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of the same political issues come back up. Yeah. And, you know, I think our politicians are going to have to wrestle a little bit with, well, are we overly, overly politicizing this issue? Yeah. Uh, and is it going to distract us from doing the right thing yeah. for the COVID response if we really let it get built into all these other larger political issues? It, it will turn into a revenue issue at some point because we are a state that depends a lot on sales tax out there. And when that's people right. aren't out buying stuff, that's a big, big impact. So I think there's going to be a, an impact there in, in some ways in the future, but we'll see what happens. It, very much uncharted territory right now. I wanted to point out definitely from the state legislature just wrapping up its session here in the uh, second week of March. They do have some money set aside for a COVID response. The legislature fully funded the governor's request for $200 million out of the rainy day fund to address the coronavirus outbreak. So that's some good news there. But there's a lot of other pieces to it, too, as we uh, transition a little bit here. I think the state is responding to this. They talked about the homelessness crisis. They're going to be putting some money there. Uh, not a lot of the gun bills passed. I know they were talking about that, too. But it's interesting. The timing of the end of the legislative session is really before, I think, a lot of the other shoes are going to drop, if you will, in terms of impact on the state from coronavirus. But a lot of it is predictable. Okay, point, okay. Right. I, you know, Washington State and Seattle are a couple weeks ahead of the rest of the country. Okay, okay. in terms of but, response. But, All right. But, you know, we're a month behind China and we're yeah. a couple weeks behind Italy. Yeah. So there are some examples that we can look at right now and learn from yeah. and try to get ahead of us. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, we or potentially here in Seattle and Washington, a little late in putting in place the you know these major social distancing measures. Yes. But all these other cities and states have jumped right on the bandwagon, right yeah. behind us. In fact, a couple of them leapfrogged in front of us yeah. on this, right? Yeah. So good for them for yeah. learning from Seattle. Yeah. Right? We're really sort of becoming the model that everybody else is fast following. All eyes of the world, certainly, on what's happening in Seattle. Just to wrap up a few more pieces on the state legislature uh, finishing up there. I mentioned uh, not a lot of those major gun bills passed. However, the state patrol does have some money set aside now for a firearms background check. Again, the business of government keeps on going on here. Uh, That Boeing tax break that has been such an issue for so many years, the legislature passed a bill to end for now the state's B&O tax preference for aerospace manufacturers, trying to head off some retaliatory tariffs in that way. I know also the transportation budget, we're going to touch on this in a little bit when we talk about Tim Iman, but uh, the legislature did put together a supplemental transportation budget, a bit of a band-aid, I'd call it, that would allow the governor to unpause some of these highway, rail, and other projects there. I, I don't know, Kevin, just in wrapping up with
what's what's happening with the uh, state government there. I noticed it at uh, Jay Inslee's uh, press conference recently. He w- he had social distancing for all of the uh, different uh, <laughs> journalists that were there. They were six feet apart. He was six feet apart from them. I'm trying to figure out what sort of leadership is needed at the state level, as so many local governments like Seattle are, are looking for some guidance here. And I think in a lot of ways, Governor Inslee has really tried to model that very yeah. well yeah. and not make it political. Yeah. Focus on, look, we have to do response. We have to make hard decisions. We're going to make those hard decisions. Yeah. The uh, state superintendent of uh, public instruction, Chris Rigdahl, yeah. has really also done a very good job of modeling. Yeah. You know, he, he in his press conference with uh, Governor Inslee recently um, – you know, w- was very upfront. Mm-hmm. Said, "Here are the reason. Here are the things we're going to do. Yeah. We've, you know, th- here are all the details that we've thought through on doing it. We recognize that these are going to have big impacts. We're working hard on mitigating those impacts. Right. But you know, I'm not going to do a soft delivery of this. Right? Yeah. This is a tough situation. We have to make tough decisions. Yeah. We're making those decisions, and we're going to move forward. Got it. All right. We are going to move on here to our next segment. What's next? I just touched on that issue about transportation funding at the state level because you've been covering this. The issues with Initiative 976, which voters passed in our state last fall, the $30 car tab measure, in limbo is the best way I can describe this now. And I I say that because when you have both sides claiming that they had victory in in the case, uh, I'm not quite sure where to go. But you've been breaking this down, this whole idea of... Uh, there was some mention of the Kelly Blue Book value of a car in the uh, in the uh, title of I-976. A few other measures that are still getting sussed out here. Uh, your thoughts about what's next in this? Who, who won? Do, do you have an idea who won? What side here? Uh, we're a long way away from deciding okay. who won on this. Okay. This is eventually going to end up in front of the state Supreme Court. Yeah. The only question there is how quickly it does. Yeah, right? yeah. And, uh, you know, as this goes up through the appeals court level, the, the Court of Appeals and the state Supreme Court don't look at facts. It's mm. really the most important role of the trial courts, which is where we are right now with yes. this, is to sort of collect the facts and make determinations about the facts and the evidence. Okay, okay. Right? And then what the appeals court will look at in almost all cases is interpreting the law mm-hmm. on that, right? So um, Judge Marshall Ferguson, yep. who is a King County judge who's been over- overseeing this so far, yep. Uh, just recently um, issued uh, a ruling. After his initial ruling, both sides asked him to reconsider a bunch of things. Yes. And he looked at that, and mostly on the issues that uh, that the, the plaintiffs who were challenging this thing said. He said, "No, I'm not going to reconsider that." Okay. But he sort of did a weird twist on some of the things that the that the um, the state of Washington, who's defending Initiative 976, yes, which is a said. twist. Yeah. Um, the one thing in his original ruling he, uh, he, he said was there were a couple issues where there's still some discovery that needs to happen, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to rule on those yet. Yeah. And one of them was the whole issue of Kelly Blue Book valuations being required, yeah. where uh, the plaintiff said that's giving a special privilege to one company, which is illegal under the state constitution. That's right. And the parties had said, well, we've... Or I think it was the defendant said, we've got some more discovery that we want mm. to do on that. So the judge okay. said, okay, fine. You want to do more discovery, then we Discover can't do some judgment. Yeah. So, you know, go find some more evidence on this. But then after his ruling, the state of Washington came back and said, yeah, actually, we don't really think we need to do more discovery in this. We think you should just rule on that so we can just go ahead and get rid of the yeah. preliminary injunction and move forward. And Judge Ferguson said, 
okay, if, if that's what you want, <laughs> I will rule on that. And I rule that it is, in fact, unconstitutional. So I am basically tossing out the sections having to do with Pope Kelly Blue um, Which no. is a major part of, of 976. It, it is. A, it, well, it's an interesting part. But now, suddenly the city of Seattle and the other plaintiffs are coming back and saying, well, we kind of like that you did that. <laughs> because one of our issues was that, that this thing has multiple subjects. Yeah, it, yeah. Right? And if this thing is really severable, you can sort of excise out this one part and leave the rest of it in place. That's a de facto, right? Doesn't that make the case that this is multiple subjects, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Boisher sure sounds that, that like aren't it, aren't huh? all interrelated. So they're like, this is great. And in particular, because Kelly Blue Book values were listed in the title. Yes, right. 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 So then you listed something that is unconstitutional in the title mm -hmm. of this initiative. Mm -hmm. So does that make it the whole thing unconstitutional? We, we don't know yet, but that's a we very interesting legal So now argument. all those legal issues are going to get played up. In the meantime, mm -hmm. the, the judge also said, um, I'm going to – I'm uh, willing to lift my injunction, mm -hmm. preliminary injunction, this, and let the whole thing go into, uh, go into effect, except for the city of Burien. Yeah. Right. And the other weird thing he said in this was, um, you know, the city of Burien came into this case late. Yeah. Right. And so. They had some bonds in place that would have been affected some, they by had some, They, they yeah. had some bonds in place, but they, they actually weren't a party to this case when the original injunction was put I in see. place. Right. So, state of Washington said, hey, you can't do anything with the you know, injunction around them because they weren't even a party in this case yeah, yeah, when yeah. the injunction was put in mm -hmm. place. But um, the, the state said, why don't you go ahead and lift the injunction for everybody except. The city of Burien. Mm -hmm. And the judge said, yeah, okay, I'm willing to do that. And oh, by the way, I actually think that it's perfectly clear that I-976 unconstitutionally impairs the city of Burien's bond. So mm -hmm. if you guys had asked for more time to do uh, discovery on that, too. But if you hadn't done that, I would have just come out right away and said that that's unconstitutional. Yeah. So, Which is <laughs> a very strange thing for a judge to say. But he said that. Okay. So now he said... You know, unless somebody, you know, I want to give the city of Seattle a chance to come back and petition to have me leave the injunction in place. And we'll give you to the end of the month to do that. But other than that, I'm perfectly willing to lift this injunction for everybody. That's except what the, the judge is saying. Wow. And, and the city of Seattle and the other plaintiffs can also go to the Court of Appeals because they are inevitably going to appeal this and say, yeah. hey, will you grant us an injunction? Right. So they got a couple avenues and yeah. we'll just see kind of how that plays out. Yeah. But but in I'm guessing that we're going to that the injunction is going to live on. Okay. Yeah, for now. And I, for now. I th this is a, a big again, story. It's going to end up at the state supreme court. Yeah. So right. we got maybe that. maybe by the end of the year we've it, got, dep it depends how quickly it kind of goes through. We've got that to look forward to. And of course, let us wrap up the show. I think it's time for a little uh, baked goods uh, break. Don't you think so, uh, Kevin? I think we need some baked goods. Yeah, let's fire this up. So it's a double shot today, folks. Uh, Kevin brought uh, something excellent from home, as he always does. I, on the other hand, uh, trying to uh, double dip here, we're trying to support local businesses too. So I'll talk about my treat in a little bit. But yours looks awesome, Kevin. What do we I got? Was, I, you know, my coping mechanism this week has been stress baking. So <laughs> stress baking. I Love made it. homemade Fig Newtons. Awesome. Uh, the recipe comes from this really great cookbook that I highly recommend called Brave Tart. Okay. Oh, love it. Well played. Which, yeah. which um, Brave Tart, it's basically a cookbook for all those awesome things that you've always like bought in stores. I from, thought it was for Scottish people, but that's from, all right. From Oreo cookies to ding-dongs and ho-hos. This is how you make them. Okay, uh, cool. Fig Newton, yeah, yeah. Graham crackers. Love like, it. All this stuff. It's, all right. a, it's a fantastic cookbook. So I made some this is the fig homemade fig okay. newtons. Here we go. Uh, this, is, this is me chewing. Hang on. 
Oh, yeah. That's spot on. But it's got a... There's a freshness to it that you would not get out of, out of the bag with <laughs> a Fig right. Newton. These are definitely fresher than what you would wow. get by a Fig Newton. And that filling is what, what's that? It's 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 Mission Figs. Yeah. Awesome. A little bit of orange juice and okay. an orange zest. I can in taste it, a, little, a, little a little bit of the acid there. Little tang, yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Uh, let me throw my treat in the mix. So this is from this is a twice baked chocolate croissant from Fresh Flowers, which is an excellent bakery. I love them. in the White they're, Center neighborhood. They have one. They have uh, they outlets are, all over the place. They are but, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, dig in here. So this isn't your average croissant, folks. It's a little uh, heavier, I guess. That's the sound of Kevin chewing mm. right there. Um, let's. Oh. T- I know that filling, right? Right. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, talk with your mouthful, please, and, <laughs> and tell us what uh, what what you're getting there. So much chocolate. Oh, yeah, there's that. So <laughs> no, I'm freaky apple? about chocolate. Is that apple so. there too? Yeah. Oh, or there's uh, there might be some nuts. I didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Okay. It might okay. be. It might be. It might be. Uh, is there some pure, almond filling? Pureed almond. Okay. Yeah, they must yeah. have some some almond it is filling so too. So good though. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. I just had to have some too. Uh, folks, we need to uh, munch down on a few more hmm. baked goods in our lives. I, I think that's what we've determined as we deal with uh, a difficult time in the city of Seattle, a difficult time worldwide in coping with coronavirus. And yeah. uh, we hope that you're healthy and, and that you're well. But it, re- it really is worth just emphasizing uh, Brian's point here, which is, you know, patronize local stores. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of them are just having a super, super hard time. Grocery stores are going to be fine because we yeah. all keep going buying groceries. Right. Mm-hmm. Target's going to be fine. But there are a lot of other specialty stores and a lot of restaurants mm-hmm. that are just getting hit really, really hard by yeah. this, right? So takeout is a great thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Canlis has a great new setup If with that. you yeah. don't necessarily need to buy something from a specialty store, but you want that store to still be around in two months, go buy a gift card. Yeah. Buy a gift card at the store, right? Because yeah. they just need cash flow, right? Yeah. They've got employees and bills yeah. that they need to pay. Yeah. So find ways to help them out. Okay. Go buy stuff. You don't necessarily have to sit there in the restaurant <laughs> or the cafe right. or whatever. But, uh, you know, let's let's help out our neighbor businesses as well as our residential neighbors. Absolutely. Kevin, thank you very much for being on the show yet again. Thank you, Brian. All right. And thanks, everyone, for joining us on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. The next time you want to know what's going on in local politics, give us a listen and find out what's brewing. Reach us via email at seattlenewsviewsandbrews at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Callanan Media Services. Copyright 2020.